The first cell phone was demonstrated in 1973 by Martin Cooper. You know what wasn't demonstrated? Shared plans. Over 50 years later, you can save on one line thanks to Visible. When you switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible, you can get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just 25 bucks a month, taxes and fees included. No hidden fees. No, really. You can look around for them. They're not there. Switch now at Visible.com. Save on wireless without the hassle. Switch to Visible today and save at Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan for data management practices and additional terms. Visit Visible.com. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am thrilled to invite you to Rachel Uncensored, my podcast where I get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. From personal stories to hot-button issues, we cover it all. New episodes drop every Wednesday, so make sure you tune in on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored. Beyond and hello everyone. My name is Jonathan Dornbush and this is Podcast Beyond episode 714. And no, you're not in a Groundhog Day scenario or anything along those lines. Uh, I have to apologize for everyone who was watching or listening last week. I accidentally called that episode 714. This is 714. That was 713. We changed the title, but I couldn't change my voice. It was too late. The episode was already posted. So my apologies, but ho- hopefully uh, the, you know that there isn't another lost episode. But uh, we do have another episode 714 for you this week, and I'm joined finally after a long return by Lucy O'Brien. Lucy, thank you for joining me. Hello, it is good to be back. I was in the old country for so long, I've sort of forgotten how to podcast, so I apologize if I'm, um, A, if my accent has come back stronger, of course. and B, if I just am a bit like all over the place. It has been a hot second since I've had to pay attention to PlayStation News, but I'm very pleased to be back. It's uh, I it's not any stronger on like first listen back, but if we get into a sort of like near or near situation again, uh, <laughs> like we did a few few months ago, uh, I'm sure we'll be able to play with it. I'm sure it won't be an issue whatsoever. Excellent. Um, but yeah, as as anyone who's watching the episode might see, it's just Lucy and me for this week. Uh, the the full wide IGN team is in you know Gamescom prep advance mode, uh, and so everyone is super super busy right now. Max and Brian, I think, have to write. Uh, it's approximately seven thousand hours of live show coverage or something like that. Uh, so they are very busy, but hopefully we'll be able to join us back next week. But that just means Lucy, we get to make up for lost time since you haven't been on for the last few weeks. Yeah, it's wonderful. It's me and you, buddy. Let's do it. Exactly. Uh, so we're going to jump through uh, a few lighter topics, uh, sort of as we have discussed earlier on the show. Obviously, PlayStation likes to dip in and out of being vocal about things. And and we'll get to a little bit of that because, uh, Lucy, I don't know how much you had noticed while you were gone, but there was a rather amusing trend of state of play rumors that popped up over the last few weeks. But... Uh, before we get to that, I want to start off the show with a little bit of self-promotion from our end, because Lucy, uh, you and I on the feature side, we put up a piece today as the day we're recording this episode. Uh, it's the latest in uh, a recent series that we've started called Art of the Level, and this one should be of interest to the Beyond uh, audience because it is all about uh, Ghost of Tsushima's title card opening sequence. Um, and, and Lucy, I don't know if you want to maybe give like a primer of what the series is, what it's been since it, it kind of came before I joined the, the features team. But yeah, for sure. Good. I mean, Art of the Level is, um, a relatively new series. We've only, we're only three episodes deep, 
But the goal behind it is to do a very sort of deep dive magnifying glass on a small section of a game, right? I think, you know, in, in reviews and, um, and, and various sort of other critical analysis, we tend to talk about um, themes and, 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 and games as a, like from a really holistic standpoint, from a really broad point of view and out of the level uh, does that, but through a very, very specific uh, lens. And I think what, so, so Dorno, you know, you were the writer um, and one of the producers and, and, and of course did the VO for this particular piece and, and ran all the interviews and the piece is on the Ghost of Tsushima title sequence, which is one of the most iconic moments in that game, is kind of like an encapsulation of everything that makes that game so wonderful. And um, what is so particularly wonderful about this piece is that we got Sucker Punch on board to actually speak to the, the conception of that title sequence, the evolution, how it sort of almost didn't happen. Um, and again, it really speaks to the broad themes and the broad goals behind Ghost of Tsushima as a whole. And that's what Art of the Level is all about. And I think you did such a fantastic job. And I don't just want this to be like a big circle jerk. <laughs> of course. But honestly, like, it, it, you know, it, it, is, it is something that I'm really proud of. Uh, I think that we'd love to do more of these. So if there are any devs listening to this episode and they've got something they really want to go deep on, please hit us up. We want to do more. Yeah, it's it's one of those things that I, I think it's probably the the most fun I've had working on a project in some time, and and the one I'm the most proud of in quite a while. It turned out really really well. Um, Pat Coughlin on our video team did an incredible video edit uh, and and transformed it from. I think we had talked about it like we didn't expect it. It's rather it's a little bit longer. It's it's twenty two minutes long, so it is kind of like sitting down for a half hour of TV. But like it goes by really quickly. It's it, it's really super well paced from from Pat's edit. And it was one of those things where we started it, and I was like, okay, this is going to be too long. I feel really bad about this. And then we all watched the cut, and it was like, oh no, the story Sucker Punch is telling us, and that how willing they were to share with us was so fascinating. Like we wanted to keep as much of it as possible in. Um, I haven't actually told you this, but I show because obviously I was staying with my parents in New Zealand and um, I was working uh, while I was in New Zealand and working on this particular project and I showed my mum and dad <laughs> and they totally dug it. And of course, you Aww. know, they, they don't they don't know video games. That's not their thing at all. Uh, but it is such a wonderfully told story that it's compelling, regardless of your knowledge of Ghost of Tsushima. Yeah, it's, I really can't recommend uh, checking into it enough, especially, uh, you know, we posted it this week to line up with the director's cut, uh, which is launching on Friday. And so uh, if you haven't played Ghost of Tsushima before and are playing with the director's cut, I'd recommend, you know, play the first hour of the game and then watch it. But if you've already played Ghost, which I'm, I'm sure a lot of people listening and watching have, uh, go check it out. It is it is about the title card sequence, but uh, the entire Sucker Punch team we spoke to was really, really uh, gracious and giving with like behind the scenes uh, info and, and, and exciting little bits of information about how, how all of this came together and how it was kind of one of those like magic moments that uh, not to totally crib from what one of the devs says, but is like the magic that you just can't plan for when developing a game. Like this was a moment that was not some meticulously engineered thing from day one of the game. It kind of happened by accident, but it was the happiest of accidents for the team. Uh, and it's, it's a really, really cool piece. And thank you to everyone on the sucker punch side, including uh, our, our good old friend, Andrew Goldfarb uh, for, for helping to put it all together. But yeah, definitely please go check it out. Just wanted to open up and let people know. Cause we're super excited about that piece. And as Lucy said, we want to make more of them. 
uh, and do actually have in the works another PlayStation related one coming up uh, in the next month or so that should also be of interest to a lot of people who listen to watch this show. I am very excited by it. Yes. I should put that one together soon. But anyway, uh, I did, <laughs> you know, it, it's a busy time of year. Somehow August is the busiest time of year all of a sudden. Um, I, I did want to briefly touch on, obviously, uh, the direct, director's cut is coming up on uh, Friday. I, I did want to touch on sort of an interesting thing. And, and Lucy, it's it's been a topic that I know we addressed a little bit uh, last time, one of the last times you were on the show, but it's also something that's come up since then is like the whole idea of what a director's cut is, what it means for Sony, because there was that whole sort of mini controversy, but Kojima basically coming out and saying like, I don't know why we're calling it a director's cut, but we are. Uh, and so it's obviously yeah. something that PlayStation wants to be doing with their games. But my, my question is like, where do I guess they go from here? Cause I was trying to go through the list and I feel like there are a couple obvious ones, but beyond the obvious ones beyond i don't really know how deep a series of director's cuts we're going to end up getting at this point yeah it's a director's cut is like a really tricky nebulous term in the sort of game space uh because director's cut tends to be like this is the film that the director always wanted to make and you know for various reasons uh studio meddling uh the state of the, the world finances etc they couldn't originally so you know that's where we get things like Zack snyder's director's cut um you know david finch's uh cut of alien 3 that sort of thing but like in in, in the game space it's certainly in death stranding's uh case it, it sort of seems more like this is additive content it just seems like this is like what we would typically call dlc i suppose um, but it's being called a director's cut. And I, 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 it is, it is, it is weird because if we think of something like the last of us part two, you know, which I guess seems like an obvious, uh, case study, uh, it, from, from all intensive purposes, from what I know that that was the game that they, that Naughty Dog wanted to make, you know, that yeah. the, the sort of the line has always been that they had a great deal of creative freedom. But then I think ultimately with all the additions that Days Gone received in its lifetime, it kind of did get a director's cut. Like what, what Days Gone is now is very different to what it was at launch. Um, again, there are very few auteurs in this space. So I just, I'm unsure of what that term means. Um, I think it's kind of stupid. <laughs> it, it definitely feels like a, a marketing way to not say like game of the year edition or or to just right. say we're doing an expansion for a game, like you were saying. It, it, I mean, for literally for the initials of it, it is DLC minus the L at that point. Like it is just Ghost of Tsushima DC. But it, I, I agree with you. It's like it has a very certain connotation in the film space where there is a lot of different oversight that happens and not to say oversight doesn't happen in the games industry, but yeah, with Death Stranding, the whole thing about that game was that was the game Kojima wanted to make and he got to make that game. <laughs> with it does not smack of studio meddling at all. No, I, I and and obviously, you know, there, there have been divisive opinions about that game to say the least. Mm -hmm. I had a wonderful time just carting around that world building roads, but I don't think like build build a highway is really a promotional thing you would expect to see on a like Sony first party game. Uh, so it's, yeah, we're in an interesting spot and this is the same thing with ghost of Tsushima. I, I interviewed some of the devs for it and they were like, yeah, the, the director's cut, it lets us uh, add some things in and revisit the world that we didn't think we'd have the chance to. So it's, it's not as if it was cut content. And, and to your point about the last of us too, that one feels like it's inevitable to get, to get a director's cut. I just like, 
other than multiplayer, I can't see them adding DLC to it, like a, a story bit. I don't quite know what that no. would look like. Um, I mean, unless they did a, you know, another uh, left behind style expansion, but again, that wouldn't be a director's cut because that's a very fully realized standalone expansion. Um, so I agree with you, Dorno. I think multiplayer is really the only thing I would expect to see in a director's cut of The Last of Us Part Two <laughs> because yeah. uh, anything else would feel superfluous. Yeah, it, it, it very much, as you were saying, like we, we spoke with Neil and Hallie after the, the game launched. It seems like they told the story that they, at the end of it all, wanted to tell, that they were able to get the scope of it all, you know, without going to spoilers. You could almost say some of it was you know, multiple Last of Us entries almost within one game uh, because of the scope right. of it and because of where it went. And so it's, yeah, it's a really weird case. We we do know that there was um, recently, and I want to make sure I give the correct uh, credit, but uh, a YouTube, YouTuber named uh, Specializer, I was going to say Specializer, but there's no extra I in there, <laughs> uh, did some data mining of The Last of Us Part Two and found essentially things that seem to imply multiplayer assets that were still in there and we know they were working on multiplayer for a pretty long time uh and that they still have some intention to follow up with multiplayer that feels like the most obvious thing to add in with uh a director's cut at this point but i also do wonder what the success of like ghost of tsushima legends as a free multiplayer addition that they added in means for them to then say oh but we're going to charge for the last of us multiplayer like it might be a weird case of where they draw the lines there. I'm, I'm curious to see what happens there. I don't know about you. Um, yeah, no, I, again, it's, it, this is just one of those, it just feels like a marketing word that we're, we're trying to ascribe uh, sort of function to, but yeah. there is no real function. <laughs> like <laughs> the, the, you know, the nature of video games as constantly evolving things means that, that yeah, director's cuts are just, it's, it's, it's very hard uh, thing to define. I would like to see, uh, you know, a last of us factions come in free. Absolutely. In the same vein as, um, as, uh, uh, ghost of Tsushima, you know, like I want to see that free. Yeah. That would be, that, that is the natural thing. Um, and maybe in the end, you know, there'll be a packaged, it would be fantastic to have as like a standalone expansion, like left behind and sort of the multiplayer and the original game will packaged up in a, in a game of the year edition, but you, you don't call that a director's cut. Yeah. It's, it's an interesting case where they're, they're kind of I, using director's cut as a catch all the, the Iki Island expansion that is within the ghost of Tsushima director's cut seems to be very different from what's being added on the death stranding side. So it feels like, as you were saying, a marketing term more so than uh, any sort of specific thing. I, I don't think we're ever going to be like, this is what a director's cut entails, because it's kind of, I think, whatever they want the term to be. Obviously, exactly. it'd be great if there was just a Bloodborne director's cut that made it run on PS5 smoothly. Wouldn't that be nice? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they can call that whatever the hell they want. Yep. Like that, anything, and I'll take it. That That's the one for me that feels like the most obvious, what, like older one that PlayStation fans would demand, because I was kind of going back through like PlayStation exclusives, and like you said, like Days Gone, they did a lot of updates, they smoothed out the performance, they added in uh, like post-launch challenges and things, like they were doing what probably would have been in a director's cut at that point, and now knowing that they're working on a new IP, I don't know how much they would be inclined to revisit Days Gone as a like game of the year style edition director's cut at this point. 
Um, yeah, absolutely. But no, yeah. I mean, again, Bloodborne, you're right. Bloodborne is the only one. I mean, Bloodborne right now is just such a strange case. I know we go on about it too much, uh, but it is just such a strange case in that it's just received no quality of life improvements. Uh, it, it is... I mean, it's not the original, original game, because obviously when we first played it, uh, it was the, the loading screens just had Bloodborne. <laughs> like, there weren't even tips. And they were um, minutes longer, right? From They were so long. Yeah. <laughs> they were so long, which is, of course, really tedious for a game where you die a lot. But, uh, yeah, it, it, it does feel like just the stubborn, like, the, the Bloodborne just feels like the stubborn old person. You know, like, in Bloodborne, we, there, there are those people in the in the and the chairs and the rocking chairs with their shotguns yeah like bloodborne kind of is that character right now it just feels so <laughs> stubborn like it's just sitting there with a shotgun being like hey leave it, me alone leave me alone i just want to um, be in this dark house i just want to be in this dark house with all my wet creatures around me and i don't want anything to change we're just going to reset every time you spawn like it just you know it's very kind of poetic in that way but yeah. um Gr the I, I, yeah the grandma in the sloppy boys house of bloodborne is a house i know very well at this point but uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah it's uh it, yeah it, it feels like the most obvious candidate because i was going back through and and you know like similar to days gone i was gonna say like oh i'd love to see gravity rush but team siren that made gravity rush is no longer there because the executive producers who made those games left to form their own studio sony japan got you know restructured to only be team asobi Right. Uh, it's a strange case. So, and then something like I, I was thinking, oh, well, maybe Concrete Genie would be a really cool candidate because it's, it's a game I love. It's a smaller scale Sony first party game that maybe a lot of people might have missed. Giving it a second chance at life would be great. But also that team is like 20 people big and I don't know if they have the bandwidth to also make DLC while they're making their new game, you know? Yeah, um, it's it's a strange, and then of course Insomniac just seems to keep making new games at this point. So I'm I'm fine with them to just focus on on Spider Man, whatever the next Spider Man is, and hopefully a new Ratchet and Clank. But yeah, it's a it's an interesting time. I guess Returnal maybe Returnal with a save state as a director's <laughs> cut would go a long way. But yeah, I sure sure or just you know patch keep patching the game and you know let's that let's... also works. Yeah. Let's let's just do it the, the traditional way instead of slapping some jargon on it. Exactly. It's a, it's a strange time for that, but uh, whatever new director's cuts we get, we'll, we'll obviously cover them on the show. I can't wait to jump into the new Ghost of Tsushima content and honestly Death Stranding's content as well next month. Um, it's some nice stuff to start off the fall with games that I know I already enjoy and know the ways I enjoy them and be able to just jump back into those worlds for a little bit. Exactly. Um, this episode of Podcast Beyond is brought to you by NordVPN, a great way to protect yourself online while also improving your overall experience while enjoying cyberspace. Are you tired of streaming shows, movies, or sporting events being unavailable in your region due to draconian restrictions that are based on completely arbitrary geographical boundaries in physical meat space? Well, switch your virtual location to a place where that's no longer an issue. The same goes for shopping. You can get the best possible deal on subscriptions, flights, hotels, and other goods and services like that from websites that like to play favorites with certain territories and currencies. Meanwhile, encrypted traffic protects your data from hackers, viruses, malware, phishing sites, and other harmful hitchhikers of the information superhighway. Though really, it's more of an information autobahn because there is no speed limit with NordVPN. It is the fastest VPN in the world, so there won't be any buffering or lagging, and it'll stop your ISP from throttling your bandwidth. Isn't that nice? 
One NordVPN account can be used across six devices, which is great. My wife has been using our account to watch all sorts of awful British reality TV shows that aren't available here, like Argument Island or Half Naked Idiots Fall in Love, and everyone's favorite, The Worst People Just Got Married, Let's Hear Them Talk About It. Shows that are so bad they're blocked in our part of the world for our own good, but luckily NordVPN allows her to trick the internet into thinking she's in the UK so she and her awful friends can shriek and howl and cackle at the TV while I'm trying to relax. I've been using my VPN too. You know what I've been using it for? None of your business. Yep, that's right. And thanks to NordVPN, my data is safely encrypted, all bundled up in a weighted security blanket of incomprehensibly complex math problems and nobody can tell what it's doing under there. Data, you do your thing. I'll leave you alone. One month of NordVPN coverage costs less than a cup of coffee. Coffee can't protect you from cyber criminals unless you throw it at them or pour it on their computers and you'll probably get in trouble for doing that. So get NordVPN instead. To get the best possible discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com slash pobeyond. That link will also give you four extra months on the two-year plan. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. Again, that is nordvpn.com slash pobeyond. And now, back to the show. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world. That ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. But I do want to talk a little bit about another thing that's sort of been... Uh, it's an ongoing topic. I think we we probably address it to a certain extent almost every week on this show, and, and obviously probably did the last times you were on. But... Uh, and it's something we talked about, I think, a lot last year, uh, is sort of Sony's current pattern of being really quiet until they're not. Uh, and, mm-hmm. and Sony's uh, right now in this lull of not saying too much, they had a state of play earlier in the summer that was relatively lower key than I think what people were hoping for because it wasn't. Uh, you know, an E3 level event, it didn't have God of War, it didn't have Horizon, it didn't have Gran Turismo, it didn't have any massive big reveals from Sony. It focused on Deathloop, which is a PS5 exclusive at launch on consoles, but that was really the the focus of it, and that was about it. Uh, and so every week I seem to see at least one or two leakers say that a state of play is going to be announced this week It's going or the next week. And then the week passes by and it doesn't happen. And here we are again. And it feels like the, the runaround that Nintendo fans were going in for a long time when Nintendo didn't have directs for like over a year. And it was just kind of this, like a, any morsel of an idea that they may say something is is something people latch on to immediately. And and I guess my bigger question is because the more I think about it, the more it bums me out as a fan because I want them to have big fanfare. I want there to be a big production, but they are selling out of the PS5s as fast as possible. It's the fastest selling console from them, the fastest selling console in America. They've released two game of the year candidates with Returnal and Ratchet and Clank. They released six games at the end of last fall. Uh, I get I like I just kind of wanted to get your thoughts on like I think the silence is frustrating, but like, I guess from a corporate level, I understand why they're doing it. Like they don't probably mm-hmm. feel like they need to, but like, wh- where do you feel about the, the sort of silence and occasional, you know, check-ins with Sony? Yeah. I mean, I think that as, as more sort of 
intense PlayStation fans, I, I hesitate to use the word hardcore, but those of us who are, you know, really invested in in PlayStation and PlayStation's future, um, you know, it is frustrating constantly sort of being edged like this. Like it's, it, it is, it, it is, it is frustrating, especially when you see uh, Xbox, for example, uh, having such a great show at E3 and, you know, the vision there seems really clear uh, and we're sort of left in the dark. On the other hand, uh, I, from what we have been told uh, with the sales numbers, there are still memes about the rarity of PlayStation 5s. Um, the average PlayStation 5 owner may not really care. You know what I mean? Like yeah. they, they, they're going out and they're buying third party games. They're buying Madden, you know, they're buying a whole bunch of, they're, they're buying COD and, and all these games that aren't necessarily uh, sort of synonymous with the PlayStation brand. And, and the fact that they can play Ratchet and Clank uh, and it looks beautiful and it's exclusive is just kind of a bonus. I think um, it is, it is really frustrating. I, I, I agree with you. It's, it's, it's sort of, I, I get it from a corporate standpoint, uh, standpoint. It would be wonderful for more communication. I've always said that, like the more communication uh, that PlayStation can share with its fans, um, the better. Uh, but the money speaks. And if they don't need to, you know, go out prematurely with anything, uh, then, then they're going to remain silent. And I get it. It is frustrating. It is frustrating. Like it, yeah. it, it is, it's, it's annoying. I I I want to know more. I want that fa fanfare. I I miss that fanfare. Um, but I get it. That's that's sort of where I'm sitting. It's kind of like it's 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 a it's a slightly deflated place to be right now as a PlayStation fan. Um, but again, I'll always say this is just a moment in time, and and we'll wait and see what the future holds. Yeah, it's it's that really weird balance of I. I, I think it's it's more in stark relief. I, I guess that's what I'm trying to say because, as you were saying, like Xbox is so vocal. Like I feel like every time I go onto Twitter every day, there is information about Xbox Game Pass games or things of that nature. Nintendo, even though they weren't really doing directs for a, a little while, have have gotten back into the rotation of doing that. They're they seem to be a little more focused on like we know six games that they have coming out in the next four or five months. We we have like a bigger understanding of them and it's like playstation we know horizon we know god of war we know gran turismo but that's it and we haven't seen god of war yet at all uh gran turismo mm -hmm. we've gotten a trailer or two for and we got a really big horizon state of play but we're in that weird place where we're all kind of like but it's not gonna come out this year right and sony mm -hmm. hasn't said anything there have been reports of course of the delay uh schreier uh jason schreier from bloomberg had a report recently sony hasn't commented on that it's, it's just that weird silence in deficit to everything else but like yeah it, like i'm frustrated as a fan who just wants to hear more and wants to talk about these things and selfishly wants to have things to put on the run of show every week but <laughs> as, know, right? as as you said it's like but they they are selling like all of their consoles <laughs> they are mm -hmm. they are not hurt in a place and and as you said with the sales numbers ratchet and clank was a, you know a million sales and that's phenomenal but that's a tenth of the ps5 player base which is kind of crazy right. um right to me that's like the the reason to get a ps5 is to play that and to play returnal and and for it to be only a tenth of the player base is really big but also just odd that it's like no but the other nine million people what are you doing go buy that game 
(laughs) (laughs) I mean, there is something to be said uh, for the power of, uh, again, the rarity of this machine. I saw like a meme the other day where it was like a woman throwing, you know, she'd been dumped by a boyfriend and she was like throwing the PlayStation 5 into the ocean or something, you know, which is like the worst possible thing you can do. Um, (laughs) And it's, 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 there is something to be said for for that narrative that still exists. Like the PlayStation Five is the machine to get, um, and and I, people are buying them. The PlayStation ba- brand is still incredibly strong, and and again, it's I I don't necessarily think people are buying them because just because of that incredible first party uh, lineup that PlayStation um, can boast over other brands, right? I think people are buying them because. It's an awesome console. It's hard to get, and you can play, you know, all of the big games on it, right? Like yeah. it's it's not necessarily because of the grand PlayStation vision and the first party output. Um, so I don't know. As I said, it's it's a frustrating time to be a fan. Like I'm not gonna lie, but uh, I I'm certainly not worried for PlayStation or, or yeah or what we've got. Uh, you know plan for us uh in the in the years ahead yeah the the silence at least right now is not worrying and, and it goes back to the thing of like i was saying returnal and ration and clank are i think in most uh you know seeing most conversations from different outlets ours included are some of the game of the year front runners are some of the most right. claimed best reviewed games of the year like they're they're certainly not lacking for cool games this year whereas you do like on the Xbox side, we're slowly getting there. Halo is still set for this fall, but that's really mm-hmm. that and Microsoft flight sim coming to Xbox are really the, the Microsoft things right now. Um, mm-hmm. But because of the factor of game pass coming up in conversation every week, because they can announce new games coming to that every week, whereas PlayStation plus drops three games a month, but PlayStation just right now doesn't have the things that let them say new stuff every week and they're also not jumping at the chance to for the moment it seems yeah well one hopes that you know i mean one hopes i mean one <laughs> would would very you know it's, it's very likely that what they're doing is is taking some time hopefully to to step back and and assess what the uh the future is for playstation right like it is an interesting spot for them to be in uh where uh, Game Pass is such a it's such a, a big deal. It's a it is a system seller for many people, and and uh, PlayStation is currently in, in, not in competition with that. Um, so you know, I, I I do hope that the silence is more like we're taking our time to really assess what 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 we want the PlayStation brand to be moving forward, what we want to offer our audience moving forward. Um. You know, rather than just like silence because they're waiting for the next state of play to talk about more about Horizon. You know what I mean? Like, I, totally. I hope that there is that the next things we hear from PlayStation are more holistic uh, yeah. than here's a couple of indie games. You know what I mean? I mean, no, no slight to indie games, but um, again, what we, we're hearing from from Xbox is so future focused. Yeah, uh, and it would be nice to to have a similar vision outlined to us uh, as PlayStation fans. Yeah, the last week on the show, Brian, Max, and I were talking kind of of how you know PlayStation did one of those. Here's a few indie games on the PlayStation blog that they spotlighted. It, it would be cool if that was like 
a more regular thing that we got kind of maybe once a month or once a quarter that was just more right. of, a, of a built out thing. But yeah, in terms of a, I, I think you hit the nail on the head, like a, a forward looking sort of future statement. This is probably the least we've known about PlayStation's first party slate in some time. Like, yes, we know those three yeah. games that we've been talking about, but that's lar- largely it at this point. And that's a really weird place to be in. And I don't know if you think it is, but I almost wonder if it's a reaction to the last few years of the PS4, which we definitely, I think, criticize them for on the show. But essentially the last three or four years of the PS4 was like, here are the same four or five games every E3, every PSX, every Gamescom. Like they just had to keep showing those because those were the games that they had announced and those were the ones coming up. But it meant that you kind of got fatigued seeing those games and just wanting them to come out. So I wonder if they're now going all the way in the opposite direction. And just saying. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I totally agree. I think that uh, PlayStation was really burned by that last E3 that they attended in particular, where it was the, you know, the three games that we'd seen over and over again. And it was just a very confusing showing from PlayStation. Um, And yeah, absolutely. I think that they don't want to do that again, that uh, they're being cautious but yeah, I do think there are a lot of other broader conversations going on behind the scenes as well. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a really interesting point, and and it's also worth saying I think that we um we do know obviously they're sort of doubling down on third party exclusive partnerships with studios like mm-hmm. uh, Jade Raymond's Haven, uh, Firewalk Studios that's doing a multiplayer game, uh, Deviation Games from the former Call of Duty devs, but all of those games do feel very like okay, those are probably three years out maybe. <laughs> exactly um, exactly and 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 you know like i i get being sort of d- done with that really long-tailed hype cycle you know and i think that uh, the cyberpunk taught us and everyone a lot of lessons about that um yeah. and and i get i get being cautious about uh saying too much too soon so I get it. There are lots of, I mean, there are lots of reasons that that, that the silence could be happening. Uh, But again, I have faith. I'm not worried. I'm not worried about the the, the health of PlayStation. Um, Yeah, this is very much, I think, not a conversation about like, oh no, Sony's in trouble. It's just more of a like, it it feels weird because we want to be able to talk about these things. We want to be able to say like, oh, the latest thing that Sony announced was very cool, but it, it feels like those just happen less frequently. I mean, Dorno, it doesn't help that we're on a PlayStation podcast. You know what I mean? It's like, come on, give us something. What we're saying is, Herman, please make news specifically for this show. Thank you. That's all I'm asking. Just just a couple pieces of news for us specifically. Um, I'm sure it'll get announced right after the show we record, so it's fine. Of course. but yeah, it's it's that weird place of technically Horizon is still officially set for 2021 right now. Like that's kind of where we are. Bizarre. So I mean, that I don't get. Like yeah. that. Like before. I mean, this is the thing. We, you and I have talked about this before the official reports from Bloomberg, etc., came out. I mean, there was no one I think on the show that thought Horizon was going to come out this year. Uh, it, it sort of. There was no one who was like, oh, yeah, it's definitely, definitely going to hit that that originally reported release date. No, I mean, it, 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 it all signs pointed to a delay. And, 
And so I'm really surprised that it hasn't been officially announced. I'm not quite sure what the weight is there. Yeah. I, like in the back of my head, it goes like, does that mean it it will come this year? But I also, uh, yeah, I just, I feel like it has to, has to be delayed out of this year. And I think <laughs> it's definitely worth saying, especially if anyone from Gorilla is listening, like 100% that is not a question of the team's ability. No, no, that no, is no. simply a like, the reality of the world they are developing in and and like the state of things and and just hearing what we hear from developing any game of any size during this pandemic that is still ongoing let alone a game as big as this as anticipated as this and on multiple consoles you know across generations like this has to be one of the biggest undertakings for gorilla i would imagine in their history and so we just yeah, want them to take the time. <laughs> that's the thing. I mean, we, we, we're we in this really weird space where we're sort of talking about it being post-pandemic, but it's not post-pandemic. Um, some people have shifted back to the office and, and, and some people haven't. I mean, there are a huge amount of moving parts that come from having worked on something and having uh, had a setup in your home for so long and then suddenly needing to pivot back to a, 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 you know, a, a studio space. Um, I, I don't know what the situation is at Gorilla, but um, just from a sort of common sense point of view, it's definitely not going to have been a smooth ride. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, again, there are many reasons why I think this will be delayed, but yeah, we're not, we're not post pandemic yet. Like there's still a lot of, a lot of uh, I'm not going to swear, but there's still a lot of uh, bad things going on. Um, yeah. And uh, I can't imagine anyone sort of hitting an originally announced release date right now in the AAA space. Yeah, it, it's very much one of those, like, I it, I have a vague enough understanding of the production uh, difficulties of us doing everything from home and us doing some things occasionally with correct COVID protocols in place in right. studio and the mammoth undertaking that is for us. Like I can't even imagine what that means for a hundreds plus team uh, member team making a triple a video game uh, and like the amount of hardware exactly. and, and engineering and technology that goes into that. Um, it, it cannot be, in any world, a simple or easy process. And so, yeah, I, I think when we talk about, oh, it's got to be delayed is with just one of those, like, we just want to make sure they're taking the time that they need to and don't feel the pressure to hit an arbitrary holiday date. Um, exactly. Especially, exactly. Especially because Horizon 1 sold phenomenally in February of 2017. Like, they don't need the holiday bump for Horizon mm -hmm. to do well. Um, so... I'm hoping they take the time, but yeah, we're, we're in that strange place of Deathloop is out in a, about a month. We've got two director's cuts, uh, and then we have these three games that we'll hope to hear more from. But it, until <laughs> we do, you'll hear us probably say, man, I hope we hear more from Sony soon. Uh, but I think all of that is also to say that like, when you see someone on Twitter say there's going to be a state of play in a week, Maybe, maybe just wait and see until PlayStation actually tweets it. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, because we hear that a lot. And then I have to spend half of a day trying to talk to people to find out if there is going to be a state of play, if we need to move this show, if that needs to happen. It just ends up being a lot for my week. So I'm saying as a personal favor to me, maybe just don't retweet it instantly. Um, but no, I know a lot of people out there have, have a ton of common sense about that stuff. And we'll just have to wait. I, I hope we get a new state of play soon. I hope they feel comfortable to announce the delay if it is indeed happening. I hope we see a little of God of War before the end of the year, but 
other than that, we're going to have a lot of games to play in the coming months. So we'll, we'll probably have a lot to talk about there. Um, before we, we sort of get into any sort of bit of wrap up, I do want to mention, uh, it, it was sort of our headlining topic on the show last week. And Lucy, I know you and I have talked a lot about it. And I do just want to briefly mention it because we had said we would follow up on it when and if it happened. Uh, and this is, of course, abandoned, which I, I don't want to spend a ton of time on uh, because it is still an ongoing uh, thing, but uh, the abandoned real-time experience app finally launched at the end of last week after we recorded, uh, after a few days delay. It launched with a single about five-second video, which was a video Blue Box had put on Twitter earlier. Um, obviously, the reaction from myself included was not that positive about the rollout of all of that, and especially the continued sort of botched rollout of all of this. Uh, we do have a new interview up with uh, the the head of Blue Box, uh, Hassan Karaman. Um, forgive me if I'm I'm butchering your last name at all. Um, the discussing uh, the rollout of Abandon recently, and especially uh, Joe Scrabbles from our news team spoke to Hassan primarily about the disappointment that they've been facing. <clears throat> excuse me, from people and sort of the the. Uh, alleging of a a history and a pattern of games that haven't come out and the worry from people that Abandoned is just going to be another one of those and, and sort of addressing the back and forth of all of that that the studio has been facing. Uh, Lucy, obviously, I know we've talked a lot about it because I'm, I'm in the middle of writing an op-ed about all of it. Um, right. It's something that we're going to continue to cover on IGN. I tweeted this and I still stand by it. I'm not particularly interested in covering it that much more on this show, until the game comes out and we see the game. Um, mm-hmm. But I just wanted to kind of briefly throw to you if you if you had any sort of thoughts about the the tangled web that has been this this abandoned unraveling. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's, you know, not, not to, I'm sure you talked about it a lot um, on the show last week. So I'm not sure if I've got anything else to add, but I have seen some sentiment that is, is like, you know, uh, gamers love a conspiracy theory and in this instance the conspiracy theories uh definitely were quite overwhelming for a small team and i feel like uh they had a lot of unfair pressure put on them uh and i also on the other hand feel like they didn't make the right moves uh in order to deal with that pressure um it sounds like victim blaming but like obviously the uh the tweets uh did not help their cause so it's a it's a really confusing, um, kind of sad, <laughs> bemusing situation, um, and obviously it's been really hard on that team. So I, I I feel I feel bad, but I I'm in the same boat as you, Dono. Like I I sort of don't have that much uh, mental bandwidth left for it. Uh, it. It's kind of just a just sort of trailed off, really kind of sadly. It's just the whole thing is kind of sad. You know, like at the beginning, it was sort of like, "Ooh, this is this is intriguing." That so many people think that 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 this is this big conspiracy, and maybe it is. And and what? How are the team reacting to it? And it was kind of uh, you know voyeuristic in that way. And now I'm just like, "Oh God, this is just this is like a you know an old lady at a at a at a nightclub, you know, on her." 12th glass of wine like i i just i, I you don't want to look anymore you i know? really wondered where that metaphor was going <laughs> i felt like there could have been so many possibilities and i i get it now but yeah it's um it, it's a strange case and and as you said like i the tweets that they were putting out didn't help their cause at all uh and yeah. so it, it is a bit of like a 
there there's issues going on on all all facets of it it's uh i think they just need a marketing person to be honest i think they just need to hire someone who knows marketing because that seems to be the issue number one here um but suffice to say as i said like until there's actually a game to see or a game to play if if that app does have a a demo of some kind uh maybe then we'll check in on it but as for now i don't really think we'll be touching on abandoned too much until there's actually a game to discuss uh and and speak to uh but speaking of before we wrap up uh lucy i did just want to know obviously i know you were away for a long time and you weren't by your precious playstation console uh back home but um is there anything that you've been playing recently that you want to speak to either on yeah, PlayStation well, or otherwise? Yeah, I mean, I um, I was playing I was playing it on Switch, but it is available on on uh, PlayStation Four as well. I played um, Dragon Quest: Echoes of an Elusive Age uh, when I was in managed isolation, and I tell you what, if you are ever sort of in a situation, and we all have been in the last couple of years, so you know, I know you get this, everyone listening. <laughs> But if you're ever in a situation where things are just like really kind of boring and miserable and like you've just got, I mean, if you're in lockdown, for example, shout out to everyone in Australia or New Zealand right now. Uh, I know it's, I know it's tough. Um, but that game is just such a, like a tonic. It is such a comforting RPG. It is like, it is, so Jared Petty actually recommended the, the IGN alum, Jared Petty, a uh, friend right. of ours. <laughs> um and 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 you know he recommended it he said it's like jrpg the jrpg and it really <laughs> is like it's a couple of years old so i know that you know probably uh, a great deal of people have played it already but it is it is just so perfectly comforting and it's 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 every it hits every kind of like comforting soul food beat you want in a jrpg and it's it's really big and it's you know there's so much to do in it it's it's really encompassing um and it it was exactly what i needed i just played hours and hours and hours of this thing when i was stuck in that in that tiny room with no uh, fresh air <laughs> so uh, i i would really recommend it especially for those uh listeners um you know still currently in lockdown um this is a really 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 good game to play where you don't have to it's not emotionally taxing. Uh, it's not too difficult. It's uh, it's kind of just right. So <laughs> that's what I played. And, I am. Um, um, I've yeah. never played the Dragon Quest series. I assume it's like Final Fantasy. You don't need to have played the history of them to jump in. Oh no 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 no! You can just jump in, and it's all it's all very familiar. If you've played any G- JRPG before, it is. It you'll you'll feel right at home. Sure. I mean, I just saw there there was an equipable bunny suit on on the screen on the footage, which is <laughs> yeah. about as JRPG as it can get. Exactly um, right. Yeah. It. I've only heard amazing things about this. Like it. It feels like the one where people are like, okay, if you've never been a Dragon Quest person, like this is the one to jump into. Especially the the edition that you were playing, the sort of director's cut edition, if you will. Uh, right. Was is the definitive way to play it. It. I think it debuted on Switch, but is everywhere else, as you were saying, including PS4 and. It it's like a hundred plus hour incredible RPG. I I feel like I need to make the time for this one. Um, I think you'll really enjoy it. It's very very accessible, and that is something. Yeah, thank you for 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 yeah bring that up because again, I haven't played a Dragon Quest game for for a long time, and it was so easy for me to jump right in. It's 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 very familiar. 
Is this also, forgive me if you didn't touch this at all, is this the one that also is fully in like a 16-bit version as well that you can swap? Yeah, into? you can switch between the two, yeah. Which is just wild. Of, of it's, <laughs> it, it is, of it's thing. amazing, it's amazing. Um, but yeah, it, it's one of those, I the only Dragon Quest games in my life I've ever played was, I don't know if you ever touched them, but there were, I want to say it was on Game Boy Advance or DS, there were essentially like Pokemon-esque Dragon Quest games called like Dragon Quest Joker or something like that. Yeah, um, I remember. I, I never played them because what I liked the Dragon Quest series for was exactly what I just described, was the, the, the sort of like very classic JRPG experience. But I do, yeah, I do know those totally. games. Slightly yeah. different. Yeah, that's, I, I figured that was the case, but I'm, I'm excited to get to it eventually. I keep telling myself, yeah, definitely going to get that backlog. And then like 10 new things come out and I don't know where to spend my time. Um, well, it's like, especially with it, you know, it's a hundred plus hours. It's, it's, it's a, it's a difficult sort of thing to commit yourself to, but it's also one of those games that you can really play in the background and jump right in. And, and it's very easy to sort of jump right in, even if you've left it for a few months. Totally. I mean, I am a person who is committed to a second playthrough of Persona 5 based on a week-by-week playthrough podcast. So That's right. I'm no stranger yeah. to committing to 100-hour RPGs, but I need to make content out of it. Otherwise, what's the point? You know, what else is life if not content? Oh, um, what a depressing <laughs> statement. Uh, yeah. Well, anyway, to get away from the depressing nature, uh, I did just want to mention um, I... I'm continuing to play Hades. This is just my weekly reminder to play Hades. It's phenomenal. Uh, I beat Hades for my first time on PlayStation. I'm now three uh, defeats in of his uh, on my PlayStation run. And that game just continues to be phenomenal. And I'm really enjoying playing it on PlayStation because I do think its ideal form is being able to just have it handheld on the go. Like, it's incredible to play that way. Uh, but there can be a lot of effects in any given room based on, like, how many boons you've acquired from the different gods and how many powers you have at one time and the switch definitely did not like that uh the, <laughs> yeah. the, frame, the frame rate would slow down to a crawl sometimes uh my my switch would get very warm uh uncomfortably so and this is just like it runs so smoothly it looks great uh it's still the phenomenal like base game there's no new content but it's still just such a reminder of how great a developer Supergiant is and uh i don't know if it's still the case but all their past games were recently on sale on PlayStation. So if you haven't played those, go check out Bastion, Transistor, and Pyre. They're all phenomenal games in their own right. Uh, and this team is just so great. I I will follow them into whatever project they do next, but Hades is just is, is one of my favorite games of the last few years. Um, so play Hades. Uh, I also just briefly to mention jumped into Avengers again to play the War for Wakanda expansion that came out this week because it was kind of the like the thing everyone's been waiting for Avengers to do. Uh, and I'm only a little bit in. I don't think it completely like revitalizes or changes the game. It's still the game, but it plays really well. The work they did to make Wakanda its own location and feel distinct is really well done. Uh, the artistry there, like they really, really tried to create their own vision of what the Wakandan sort of utopia of technology would look like for them. Mm -hmm. uh, just, and everything down to like the way doors open, the the way their architecture is different. It's a really nice change of pace from kind of the like three cities and a snowy mountain you play in, in the base Avengers game. Uh, it's a, it's a really cool expansion. And Christopher judge who plays uh, Kratos, of course, Kratos, is, yeah is Black Panther, and he does a really, really great Black Panther. It took me a minute to like, oh yeah, that's Christopher Judge. Like, you can hear it, but he's slightly 
it's this funny combination because his voice is so deep and so resonant, but he slightly pitched it up a little bit here, but there's still that deep resonance. Uh, and so it's a really great portrayal so far of the character. And I, I'm sure it is not an easy character shoes to step into, obviously given everything around Chadwick Boseman's passing and all, but he, he's doing a phenomenal job so far. And it, it feels like a really great expansion. I don't think if you got bored of Avengers core, like loot grind, it's probably not going to change your mind, but in terms of like a cool Black Panther story, it seems really good so far. And it's one of those things that makes me go, man, I wish they had just let Crystal make six different single player Marvel games. Cause yeah, (laughs) which is kind of what we all thought, even when we've got those first details. Well, certainly I did when we first heard about that grand vision for Avengers, it was just like, this is too much trying to do too, too much. Yeah. And I feel like that ultimately has been the case. Um, it would have been great to have had it rolled out that way. But I'm pleased that this expansion is is good. Yeah, it, it's definitely like well made in quality. And I, you know, I hope that like Guardians of the Galaxy turns out really well, uh, mm-hmm. you know, on the Ido side. And, and it shows that they can do a single player focused narrative only Right. You know, the same thing as Jedi Fallen Order. No microtransactions, single player only. No, we're not going to trick you with anything. I hope on the square side they can do that and it works well. But it's, yeah, it's one of those strange things where I just, I wish it were a different game, but it isn't. And so I'm trying to appreciate what is there and what's good because there is a lot of really good stuff there buried beneath a loot grind I don't care about. Um, but totally. Yeah. Anyway, uh, playing that and then a lot of stuff that I uh, can't talk to right now, but we'll be able to next week and the weeks after. And and uh, somehow the fall rush of games has already started, which is crazy to say in mid-August, but here we are. Um, Lucy, before we wrap up, is there anything that you wanted to plug otherwise that uh, we've been working on on the, the feature side? Uh, uh, when level? is this going to go live? Well, obviously, Out of the Level. Please, please, please check out Out of the Level. Um, yeah. I already spoke about it. Very proud of that. Uh, we have a great piece coming up this Friday uh, by Reb Valentine on our news team. She yes. spoke to a whole bunch of developers um, about the seemingly simple things in video games, like opening a door uh, that are actually a total nightmare to implement and, and, and why like it, it's, it's so long. And I, I was going through it as copy editing it. And I was like, I don't want to cut any of this because every single example is so fascinating. And of course it's like a really important, I think, insight into the challenges of, of development. Uh, we, we take so much of this stuff for granted and it's really, really hard. I mean, it's, it's it, developing video games that nigh on impossible, let alone, uh, in a pandemic so uh please check that out because it is it is really fascinating that'll be going live friday um not entirely sure what time but yeah check it out when it goes live yeah that piece was um really really cool uh i did a draft read of it before you while you were out for a couple weeks and it i had that same reaction reb was like i feel like i should cut some of this down before lucy takes a look because i don't want it to just be this 18 page document and i was like here are some suggestions for what to cut but yeah like as you said it's so many fascinating uh, little details and, and as you said, gives such an insight into how every little thing, literally even to like, does a button press work correctly is right. a Herculean task. There was, I think without spoiling it, one of my favorite ones was related to thinking about what to do with water 
as a concept in a video game and just like it's not water in real life so how do you recreate the idea of water in a video game is it's all so fascinating i, I yeah it's, it's a great read and i'm excited to see the the final thing go live it should be a, a really great piece for everyone to check out um but yeah i think other than that uh as we mentioned, please go check out Art of the Level if you like it. Also, please share it. We, As Lucy said, we want to keep making more of those. Uh, it's such a fun piece to be able to make, and we hope we can deliver more awesome ones like that to you in the future. Uh, and end of last week, uh, just since they're not here, uh, Max had a uh, Things You Didn't Know About Aliens game piece go up on IGN and IGN Games on YouTube. Uh, go check it out. It's a really, really fascinating uh, deep dive into Aliens game history that even if you're not a big Aliens fan, there's so many interesting tidbits about the history there that I had no clue whatsoever about. It's a, it's a really great read uh, and a watch because you can only watch it. I read it, but you can watch it. Uh, so go check that out. I don't know what words are anymore, Lucy. We're at the end of the episode. I fall apart always naturally. Uh, but anyway, that's going to pretty much wrap us up for this week's episode of Podcast Beyond. Uh, you can find Lucy and me on Twitter. I'm at JM Dornbush. Lucy is at Luce O'Brien. You can find us definitely talking about the Ghost of Tsushima Art of the Level, but also a whole bunch of things like the White Lotus. We'll probably, you know, oh my god, I was going to make a joke at the top of the show that we were just going to do a White Lotus spoiler cast today, and I forgot, so I'm saying it here now. Um, (laughs) Better late than ever. Exactly. Talk about that show forever. Um, so you can find us talking about various things on Twitter. And of course you can find all the great work, uh, from the wider team on IGN, uh, and this show every week, Wednesdays at 3 PM Pacific, normally, uh, barring any random state of play that might happen. We hope every week, but you know, not this week. Uh, but other than that, that's going to wrap us up for this week's episode of podcast beyond. So thank you, Lucy, so much for joining me, uh, for this week's episode. It's great to, great to have you back. It's great to be back. Uh, And thank you to Kate, our producer, for making this week's episode happen. And thank you to everyone out there for listening and watching. We hope you're safe. We hope you're well. And as always, beyond. Beyond. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am extremely excited to invite you to Rachel Uncensored. It's my podcast where I sit down and get real with my friends and celebrity guests where we talk about all sorts of topics, and sometimes we might be under the influence when we do so. We cover things from personal stories to hot-button issues, and it's the only place on the internet you can find an uncensored version of me. It's a side of me that you might not have seen before because it's not the most family or brand-friendly. But don't worry, I'm still sort of slightly a decent human being. If you're intrigued, then make sure you check it out. New episodes drop every Wednesday. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored.